Welcome to the Mentor Kubuntu podcast. Our guest this episode is Carol Maynard, a South Manchester-based psychotherapist who works with individuals, couples, and is a fan of nature. We met randomly through mutual friends and unwittingly connected over our common interests, passions, and advocacy. She explores psychosomatic elements with her clients, teaching how to share emotions healthily and helping understand what's happening in their relationships and lives. Personal therapy especially changed her life and she works to continue supporting others with the same opportunity when they are brave enough to make change. Carol, it's a pleasure to have you here. Please tell us about your story and journey. Do you know what? I love that you've taken that from what I've said and it sounded great. So thank you. I really appreciate it. And I also really appreciate you inviting me on here. As you know, I haven't done a podcast before. And as you know, I have been apprehensive, but I'm really glad to be here. And I'm really glad in particular, because when we met, like it was a surprise and we didn't know that this conversation, or this would come from our conversation, that they'd have the conversations we have. Um, and I appreciate that you guys aren't actually therapists and that you're pioneering this. And I really like that because ordinarily you have people in the industry that are doing these sort of podcasts. So I think in that respect, I'm, I feel even more honoured and it's even more special. So thank you. So in terms of my journey, so if I go back um, quite a number of years, about six, seven years ago, I had not long been through a marriage breakup. So my long term relationship had come to an end. And I was struggling and I remember being really consumed by emotions and not being able to figure out what was happening and not understanding. And I was in my previous job and there was a day where I just couldn't stop crying. And I spoke to somebody I knew and, and they, one of their friends was a psychotherapist in Chawton in South Manchester. And she said, why don't you just go and chat to her and see what happens? Um, so I went to chat to her and then that's when I started personal therapy. And that, yeah, that journey has changed my life and I'm a completely different person now. But if I go back to when I was younger, going to therapy is a complete contradiction to what I believed when I was younger. And I think I said this to you, Shai, is that I was surrounded by people who nobody I knew had ever had therapy. It wasn't a thing. I grew up in a household where emotions weren't spoken about. Um, I didn't understand what was playing out in my relationship and my marriage. And even though I knew there were difficulties, I thought that's just what relationships are. And I just thought, well, this is what life is. And the, the common sort of theme and, and the message I believed is that you should be able to sort yourself out. And I carried that for, since I was, since I was well, I guess since I was born, but I was aware of it from the age of 17, 18. There's something about, you know, just what about all this self-help stuff? You know, you should be able to sort yourself out. Um, so yeah I carried that through but yeah I got to a point where I reached out to somebody I didn't expect that I would but I did and and here we are now and um, yeah it was a really sort of pivotal moment and um, I also knew that I wanted to change career and it came around at a similar sort of time I ended up becoming a therapist off the back of having my own therapy journey. Amazing thank you Carol and that goes beautiful, beautifully into, into our topic today um, so today on Men's Talk, we talk about relationship patterns. But first, I'm intrigued to know, on a scale of one to ten, where are you mentally? Where am I mentally? I'm good today, actually. So I'm going to go for an eight and a half. I think it might even be a little bit more. 
but yeah, today feels good. I think I got confused and thought the podcast was yesterday. So yesterday I was in a bit of a panic with that. So I'm actually more settled today. Um, it's Friday, it's coming up to the weekend. Um, you guys are super friendly and welcoming. And so, yeah, I feel good. Thank you. How about yourself? How are you doing today? Yeah, myself, um, I would say, as I said before, outstanding, but always improving. Uh, definitely put myself the same place as you. A strong eight. The sun is out. It's Friday. And yeah, taking every day as it comes. Oh, yeah. And um, restrictions are coming down. So, you know, <laughs> happy days. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. We can't leave you out. I'm I'm gonna say I'm a seven and rising right now and part of that is I, I, I soon become a bit older so I'm in a quite a reflective mood right now so, <laughs> so yeah birthday is coming up creeping up on me but yeah I'm a seven I suspect by the end of this I'll be an eight and by the end of the day I'll be a nine amazing when is your birthday shy it's july 22nd (laughs) that's all we're saying (laughs) how old are you really (laughs) still 18 (laughs) lost the paperwork (laughs) Um, but you know mo our friend in common that's well yeah, I just recently found that out. So I've got two friends who we were born on the same day, albeit a different year. So a lot of us celebrating. I think even is it Israel, uh, the UFC champ, and Jeremy one. That's another one. So it's a it's a beautiful day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think on mentioning eighteen, I, I actually wanted to ask you a bit more about younger you if I may Carol when you were talking about your story and journey seemed when you had this event occur a few years ago and the emotions hit you and like you described you know start crying and you know can't control all these things would you say you were perhaps emotional growing up or when you were younger I know you've said about the people around you not say perhaps believing in self-help and all that sort of thing but for you was this emotion quite alien or this being overwhelmed by emotion quite alien or is it something you'd experienced growing up i don't want to make assumptions you know about girls being able to cry and everything so just curious about that yeah and i, I like the question the question I've, I've not been asked before so i've not really considered it but i would say that i experienced a lot of extreme emotions but I didn't know what they were and I didn't know how to contain them and I I didn't know what they were maybe masking and I would say that in the household I grew up in some emotions weren't okay so yeah there were a lot of emotions I felt a lot of stuff a, a lot of the time but I didn't understand why and I didn't understand what it actually was does that answer your question yeah 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 pretty yeah. much to some extent <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah I, I just I didn't understand emotions were never modeled to me in my fam wider family let alone the household I grew up in I would say that there was a, a, an element of passive aggressive there was an element of 
anger, you know, with my dad, um, he struggled to share his emotions. And I'll, I'll say a bit more about that later on as well. So it, a healthy emotional model just wasn't shown to me. I, I didn't learn about it. I didn't know about it. And we only know what is our familiar in that respect. Um, so I probably condensed a lot of my emotions into several. But yeah, I, I just didn't understand what was happening in, in that respect. So, I, yeah, I would say I was emotional. I also, um, thinking about it, as you've asked this question, I think I felt quite a lot of guilt for some of the emotions that I felt. And I felt like they were, there was a sense of I'm being oversensitive. These are not OK. And so I would imagine, yeah, in that respect, I suppressed a lot because of that, because I didn't think it was okay to share, to show them. And I didn't know actually how. So I didn't know how to express healthy anger. You know, anger's, you know, is some of it is healthy for us and necessary, but I didn't know how to display that. So it would come out in the wrong way because I'd suppressed it so much and it would manifest and then explode. So out of curiosity, um, did you also have, because what you're saying also resonates with me in so many different ways. Um, you know, in my household, there wasn't such things as emotion. So, you know, as you talked about channeling all sorts of emotions in different ways because you don't know what you don't know, that's the same thing that happened. And obviously, the older you get, the more you start to unlearn and relearn certain things. So I'm intrigued, like, did you have any siblings as well in your household that also had, you know, quite similar emotions or stress and things like that and how did you collectively go through that transition with your siblings as well yeah so if it's okay there's probably a bigger story to this as well so I I grew up as the youngest child so I was the only child to my dad my mum had three children by her previous marriage and I don't and I don't mind and I don't think she would mind me sharing some of this as well she had an incredibly tough relationship and marriage so her husband used to beat her up he was an alcoholic and she had three children when she was very very young so 16 17 and 18 years old so by the time she was 18 she had three kids and she was experiencing a lot of abuse in the home which during that time was more acceptable or it was glossed over or it was not spoken about so she just sort of dealt with it I think there was an you know a beating from her brother you know and that was about it and it was all just accepted that, that was the norm and it's not until the last you know five six years or in particular last five years I've really reflected on that and thought wow I grew up thinking that 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 was the norm and that was okay that my mum used to get really you know beaten up and abused by her husband so um and then I came along so my brothers and sisters are 12, 13, 14 years older than me. So I was a lot younger. And my dad had taken them on as his children. He had lost his dad when he was really young. So he didn't know how to parent them. So that was a really tense relationship. They never really got on. Um, and then I came to the equation. So I come from, I would say, a really dysfunctional set up in that in that respect where things were were just glossed over things were accepted things weren't talked about you know and I I now reflect on how tough it must have been for my brothers and sisters and at the time I would never have even acknowledged that or no you know ref, reflect on that at all but you know they would have had an incredibly tough upbringing with their, you know knowing that that's something was going on with their mum and dad in that respect and then their dad leaving and coming into a new household with a really strict dad and and then being told that they were just naughty and they were delinquents and, you know, and two of them went to boarding school because of that. Um, so it, 
this last, this journey of the last however many years has given I've reflected so much on how tough that would have been for them so in answer to your question I wouldn't have I didn't share that with them and I actually felt quite solitary in that working things out on my own and going on my own journey if that answers your question there and I know I've added some more information so that's where I've got to give a bit of context to all. No de- de- definitely and you know everything you're saying again definitely does resonate because even when you're young it was always the case of like you bury these old emotion and you know without even realizing you think that our oh, time is going to heal that pain and sorrow kind of thing but when you actually take time to kind of start that journey of exploring processing reversing and just unpacking all those things things start start to obviously become much more clearer and better and you get well I've 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 had more understanding regarding that so yeah yeah your your point there Ray I think is a really good one and one to to talk about because I have a lot of clients that I meet with and their belief is you know oh well that happened years ago you know why does that matter now you know that was 10 years ago that was when I was eight or whenever and we're just not taught that all of that stuff stays with us unless we're processed up and I always I've got this next to my desk because I always think we're like Russian dolls um (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of clients really like technology and and it's a simple one but it really helps them so you know this is us this we carry all of our you know emotions and experiences with us and so yeah this is us when we're born and and then, you know, all those emotions and experiences in those years stay with us. And that's the stuff that we're struggling with later on. But a lot of people do think, well, that's in the past. Like, why, you know, I'm whatever age now, why does that matter? So, yeah, to, I think that's a really good point and something that people just aren't aware of. We're not taught that in school, are we? So when we're struggling with, often this is a really common thing that clients will say, they'll say, you know, I, I'm really bothered by this. Or I'll keep getting upset by this or this keeps happening. And then they'll they'll say to themselves, but that's ridiculous. I'm stupid. Why am I, you know, that's, why am I, why am I crying? Why am I getting upset? That's just, just really annoying. I wish I didn't. And what they're talking about there are the two parts of them. There may be more parts, but the younger part of themselves is still trying to deal with and cope with or process something that's happened. And then the part of them that's that's their age now, whatever it is, saying, well, that doesn't fit who I am now. So it doesn't make sense to people until, you know, you start having these conversations until, you know, talking in parts really helps people as well. I I think it really helped me. Like, okay, that part's still part of me. I still carry it in me. Oh, I wonder what's stored in there. And out of those Russian dolls, if we go from where you are now to the smallest one, which is, you know, the smallest version of yourself, youngest version of yourself. What kind of advice or words of encouragement would you would would you say to your younger self? Oh, do you know there's actually a really lovely exercise that I do with clients that is this, and it's it's really it can be really really emotional, and it has to be at the right time to help them essentially process. So they, you know, there's an exercise that I do with clients where I invite them to show, close their eyes, and then. I talk them through and I get them to imagine the younger self of whatever age is, you know, is, is important to them. And then they say to their, what they, there's a nuance to this compared to what I think what you've just asked there is they say to their um, younger self, what their younger self never heard and what, you know, the, the words of um, support or care that would have really benefited their younger self that they never got. 
So there's a twist on, on kind of what you've said. But if I was to talk to my younger self, it would be around telling myself that I'm okay and that I'm, I'm good enough. That for me has been a real core of my therapy journey, believing that I'm okay and that I'm good enough and not doubting myself. And what would you say, Ray? Do you have a... Um, to my younger self, I would say to, to myself, you know, don't be so angry, don't be so cold, don't be so closed off. Just live life to the fullest and find allies that will help support and guide you to a new paradigm. Um, so that's what I'd say to myself, but more importantly, enjoy everything. And also more importantly, enjoy the time that you have with your grandmother. So, yeah. I'm wanting to ask you questions, but I know this is... <laughs> feel free, feel free. I'm an open book. <laughs> I gave out too much there. <laughs> think I'm very much a why person so when I then want to fire and you know and I was wondering about your anger because when when you said that it really resonates with me because of the environment I grew up with in with an angry dad you know if I label him that he was very angry and I just wondered if you knew about if you know now where your anger came from and if you have some understanding and about um yeah I've got I've I've got a lot more understanding of you know where it stemmed from um I think for me so even though I've got a daughter now as well one thing that she's taught me or not that I've learned for myself she has taught me and still continues to teach me so many things in life um so essentially for me it's the fact that obviously it's a different generation so you know even though I had a stepdad me and my stepdad didn't have the best relationship and there wasn't that line of communication or there wasn't any understanding that was brought to me to kind of transition, whether it was my my mum and stepdad being together all the way through to having siblings. You know, it's just that I personally think it's all about, especially when it comes to having a child, having that open line of communication that, you know what, no matter how old you are, I'm going to speak to you and tell you that, you know, you're either going to have a, a brother or sister or I'm going to be with this person and I need you to come come on that journey with me as opposed to me go on that journey by myself and then you're at the end of it you know finding out lastminute.com and you're pretty much uneased really you know really nervous and unsettled kind of thing yeah I'd say the fact that there wasn't that communication though but but now I've come to a place where I've you know sat down with you know my mum we have these open open conversations and we're able to kind of you know undo certain things because again it's also tradition because of you know that gen the, the the generation before us and the generation before that it's like an ongoing thing of how the parent and the adult is um whereas now things are basically changing it's like you know you're opening up the lines of communication not just being a friend but more more being a guidance and support mechanism and just enabling that that love that you most probably wasn't re- reciprocated previously if that makes sense so i would say that a lot of my journey ever since I've had my daughter has enabled me to kind of unpack all of that. And just because again, when I was younger, I didn't know how to deal with certain emotions. Whereas now, rather than me being that, you know, 
reactive parent I'm going back to my daughter and saying okay how do you feel what's this you know what's that like let's let's dig deep because I'm here to help and support you at the end of the day but again it, you know there's there's no manual there's no guidance that's just that's just how I, I I'm you know doing my parenting and my life kind of thing I really like what you said though about your relationship with your daughter because what you've acknowledge there is a lot of what's happened previously and still happens in a lot of families now it's not just because we're in 2021 things have changed but it it's actually acknowledging that child's feelings and thoughts and opinions and rather than telling them you don't you shouldn't feel like this or don't feel like that or you know don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about or, and like you said not communicating what's going on so they just really don't have that that sense of self or that their emotions are okay so I really like what you said there about how your parents and your daughter right now sounds great appreciate that i'm just here soaking all of it in like it's there's a lot of profound thoughts being shared and a lot of for me fascinating sort of uh, connections if you are or overlap in a way that we don't usually think about uh starting from just the very facts i think the way you were describing carol some of those challenges with dealing with emotions in particular when you picked up on anger and not knowing how to express it and it only coming out later on in the wrong ways, in unhealthy ways, if you will. That's something a lot of men, you know, we've spoken to struggle with a lot. And it seems like there are these moments, if you're gifted with them and choose to pursue them, where you, you get this perspective or a level of awareness raised within you and for you, it was one of those moments for Ray, a lot of it has been uh, since his daughter was born. But once you start that process of trying to sort yourself out, unpack the Russian doll, you skip a few of them because <laughs> some, some of those stages, ooh, uh, we don't necessarily, it, it takes some time to revisit them. Uh, but this, this idea of being ashamed of certain points in, in our history and in our lives and some of the decisions we might have made or the way we acted or didn't act maybe because we weren't brave enough and moving on to the next layer of our life and the next layer and at some point you still have to go back because that's part of you it's part of who you are you can ignore it and just march forward straight ahead but there's going to be something that would I think trigger you and make you come back and this idea as well of the household that we're in versus just the company that we keep as well. It, it struck me as you were both talking about your, your younger selves, you know, uh, as a child, I think as much as you want attention and affection, I feel like stability or safety, whether that's gonna go psychological safety or physical safety, seems to be at the core what we're really after and when i when i was i was trying to answer some of the questions as well of course and i was there thinking about when i felt angry as a kid or why i i, I maybe chose to express things it's it's when i felt things were out of my control or when things were done to me and again i couldn't do anything about it it was just enacted upon me so you're too small to fight back <laughs> you're the youngest I'm the youngest I think we've you know <laughs> you take your losses you take your L's 
at a certain point. And I feel like a lot of people also may be listening, even as an adult, it goes back to when you're at work and things are overwhelming, you have no control over it. It's your boss telling you what to do. When you go home for family functions or something like that, and you fall back into whichever layer of the Russian doll, that stage you were at in life, because we've had this thing where people will say, I'll go home, even though I'm in my 50s or whatever, I'm getting treated like I'm still that kid. And so there's these, these roles almost we want to break out of. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was fascinating because it made me think again about the whole Ubuntu ethos of it's just we're all a common people. I am because you are like we all want to feel safe. We all want to be loved in almost different ways. But we all want at the core the same things, whether we're men or women, young or old. And it was, it was really fascinating to hear you both sort of go back and forth and share quite different experiences, but very similar experiences and just find that common ground. Uh, yeah, that was just resonating with each of you. Uh, there's a lot there. Thank you for listening to Men Talk Ubuntu podcast and being a valued member of our community. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram, and other social media now for access to our latest updates. DM us and let us know what your mental health is on a scale of one to five. Thank you. <laughs> said that as well as I'm hearing you speak the tons you said that I could pull on as well and one thing I will say is this is really refreshing to talk like this because you know, ordinarily you know I know certainly in my past you don't have chats like this you go to the pub or whatever you know when I was younger and it's it's not about this stuff so I, I do want to say thank you because I love these sort of conversations so I find it really refreshing that we're chatting I'm like this so yeah thank you and um, midway thank you there's tons what you've said there as well and the safety bit I think it, when we chat in a bit about relationships is that's massively important to talk about and then what you were saying there about your inner child that's a model that I use a lot with clients and I, I tend to draw it on a board as well are you familiar with parent adult child have you ever heard of that model uh I I have with no. Eric Byrne yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel a bit left out here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, Eric Ben, transaction analysis. Um, I'll, I've got actually, I'll draw it quickly if you don't mind me drawing a little thing. Um, and I'll draw a like, really basic one. Um, but yeah, basically, what you said is about our inner child and. So this is some of the work that I do with clients. So it's a really simple model and it's got three ego states and you've got your parent, adult and child there. Um, so we can refer to this throughout the um, podcast, if you like, throughout the chat. Um, but it's helping people understand basically, yeah, what's stored in there, in their emotional self, what's stored in there and kind of their taught self in terms of those what we inter our internalized parents and what we're told we should and shouldn't do and then we carry all of this and then we've got all of this swirl of emotions and stuff that we don't understand from the child so we can come back to this model if it helps bring some context to what we're talking about i think all those things have something in common which i think is when we speak about the child element the adult the parent and just an individual again putting in reference of the actual you know the dolls as well 
there's one word that strikes to me and uh, you know correct me if I'm wrong if you can think of any other word but I would say validation uh-huh yeah what makes you come up with how did you get there what um I think as a child when you're obviously born it's just like a computer you have no programs no applications depending on what environment you go in it kind of programs you in a certain kind of way and no matter what environment you're in if you're not getting the right updates or validations or attention and things like that, that goes into your adult. And again, from one relationship, from, you know, being a child to going into teenage adult and things like that, that validation is a continuous thing. And then even as a parent, you know, not only do you want validation, but, you know, a lot of the time you also want to give validation or you most probably don't know how. So it's that thing of, you don't know how, you don't know where to start. And again, every everyone's programmed different. We don't know everything at the end of the day. So yeah, my word is validation. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, mean, I think you've said two massive things there. And I really like, I really, really like that word. So I think I, like massive tick because validation, you've nailed it in terms of the relationship therapy that I do. That is like the crux of it, that that is you know it's about teaching and validation and then to your other point we only know what we know you know and we only know so much and we only know what we're familiar with and that is um, a huge huge point is that if we're not taught something if we don't know how to give something and how to receive something we just don't we don't know and so I've got this loads I can say here but in terms of <laughs> in terms of validation and well if I say about often we'll go through life and we'll say oh I really want I really want to be closer to people I really want to be this or do this but often we might say that we want something but actually receiving that and being in that space is a completely different thing and it can be really uncomfortable we just don't know how to receive it you know some people on a more simple level don't know how to receive compliments they'd like that they'd like more or they'd like to give them but they don't know how to give them they don't know how to receive them so you've picked up on something else that's really massive in terms of you know in, in terms of therapy we only know what we know and sometimes we don't even know how to give it or how to receive it um but yeah I think validation could be a, a core word for some of this that we're going to talk about I like it you know I, I I'm starting to like it too but <laughs> <laughs> it's it literally it's it's made me think now like when you're a child or I don't know how old the child is but all you get is attention and love showered at you you know presence whatever the world revolves around you especially if you're a baby right like that's all you get and then to some extent as a parent if you had a child you struggle with what gives you worth or what gives you validation as a parent if you have a child and you get that unconditional love from the child the child grows up and hopefully they look after you maybe not so much in the uk context but more so say in an african context that this unwritten contract i look after you as a baby you look after me my old age all right and then it made me think it's that middle bit the adult where the validation might not be being poured at you because you're 18, get out the house, we've raised you. So that attention might stop uh, the, the unlimited supply you used to get as a child, all that, every problem, not everybody. And you might not yet have 
the thing that makes you feel your sense of worth has been achieved or that gets you praise from other people because now you might be moving around in different circles which is why you might latch on to the wrong kind of circles because they might be the first ones to give you some form of validation and say you're amazing and you're worthwhile or we we have a use for you if you will as an adult because there that's where you sort of go out into the wilderness and are supposed to make your way in life and uh, hopefully you find the right people can i put a, a different spin on that Would oh that yeah, yeah please yeah yeah, yeah. it's just how i'm thinking you know and when i'm talking about this this is this is my what i piece together from my training from my theory from what i do from what's worked for me so whether it's right or wrong but the way I heard that is that um, there are some people that have had a lot of attention when they're younger and perhaps it can, it may have been too much and so they may not have developed enough adult, that they may be, um, you know, too much in their child in some respects and then they don't know how to go out into the adult world. So is that, does that fit what you were saying or is it a slightly different slant on yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um... I'll refine my thinking even more. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's it's much it's difficult to make this simple because it's complex. If we were to pick an individual and try and unpack where they fit, would hear all the other factors and circumstantial issues that you know we're not considering when we say this. The key thing for me is one of the words that I think you used was want when you were talking with Ray and stuff. Want and the things that we want whether we're child, parent, adult. And for me, want indicates lack, if you see what I mean, not in a negative way, but you want to eat when you're hungry. You know, you, you want to drink when you're thirsty. You know you need to, but when you want something, it's usually because you don't have it. So if you are operating in the child level, you want validation, the form of validation that you're after or that you're seeking, whether that's I want to do really well, I've become a very successful because I want people to acknowledge me for my success, to tell me that I do really well. Uh, I want to be really good looking. I'm going to get loads of surgery. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Uh, I'm going to learn to fight or I'm going to get into loads of fights because I'm never going to be weak. I want to be seen as strong. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to be cool. <laughs> you know, I'm going to change everything. Perhaps because there's so the want that you are after is linked to a, a lack in some way. And if you're not aware of what the lack is, you might behave in ways and not really understand why you keep finding yourself in the same situation. Whereas if you become aware somehow, then you can yeah, better identify what's a want maybe, or what's a need, because this is what helps you function and appreciate that you don't always have to go for the things, the wants that you have, because that might just be something that you felt you were lacking at a stage in your life, somewhere in that Russian doll. But when you really address it and you maybe become comfortable with it, or you can see that you've achieved that or received it in other ways, then it, I don't know if that quite makes sense or if, if it's come across. I was going to bring some more theory into it, may or may or not resonate. Bring it. <laughs> My board looks really messy, this one, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. I'm half rubbed out and half. We're getting this for free. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the bit 
when you're talking, it's, this is reminding me of, in, again, in, in sort of transactional analysis, Eric Byrne style um, psychotherapy, we're talking about um, what are called drivers. And so these are early ways that we, we learn to try and get validation or we think we're going to get validation. We think we're going to get noticed and we're going to get the love that we want and that we deserve. So we go, we go through life. So if I read them out, because some of what you said really fits in. So, um, and for me, actually, ordinarily people have one that's uh, more of a resonates with them more, but ordinarily there's two there. The one would probably stand out. So there's please others, be perfect. Try, I always put try hard, work hard, but it's officially work hard, but I always put try hard, work hard, be strong and hurry up. So please others is a really common one in the therapy room. Um, so if I if I continuously make other people happy, if I put other people before myself, then I will get the validation and the love and the recognition and the praise that I deserve. If I get everything right, if I'm really, really perfect, if I get this perfect and I get the validation I deserve um, in a very seeking way. If I work really, really hard um, So this one translates into adulthood, you know, where somebody's working long, long hours and they're continuously trying to you know, get promoted. But it, you know, um, again, it's that early child often that's trying to get recognised. If I be strong and don't show my emotions, you know, so it might have been a message. It might have been either um, explicit messages or implicit messages as well. So there's a difference there. But it could be, you know, none of that crying. Come on, get on with it. You know, big boys don't cry if we're talking in terms of men, context of men. So that be strong. Like, okay, if I'm really strong, if I show that I can handle everything and I don't show that I'm soft, you know, I will get validation and sometimes this work hard is when um young child comes home from school and you know they they take their school work to their parent and they're desperate for their parents say oh you've done amazingly well but they often don't get that response and then that hurry up one and um, that uh, often clients feel that on a really bod a somatic body level so there's that almost panic of i've got to do everything once i've got to get here really really quickly if i if i do that then i will get the recognition so um, but I will also say with all of those, those five, there's always positive and negative. You can split them in half because some of it, you know, clients will often say, well, because of that, I've achieved this or because of that, I've done well here. And, and so I'll always say, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's great. And let's keep that. But let's talk about what hasn't served you so well or maybe where it's got in the way and um, maybe where it's hindering you in, in the experience you want now and where you want to be now. And how it's played a part so that I just thought I'd bring that in because it, it seemed to link to what you were saying about if I do really well if I do this I will get noticed I will get validated does that fit some of what you were thinking and bring some context to it yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah, it resonates with me personally as well which I don't know if it's a good or bad thing but even as you were saying it I could see some of my own actions uh as a child even now i suppose you know with some of the things you try and i try and do um yeah in order to get some sort of recognition or appreciation and yeah to because part of it might be yeah helping others where you almost take it to the extreme of i want to be seen as helping others and this is my thing and often in doing so neglecting yourself um which yeah well so if you think about vicariously why we, why we're doing something so often 
when I'm working with a client and they they have the please others is a dominant uh, for them, dominant driver for them. And you know, I, I don't always use labels as well. So some people don't feel comfortable with this, but I'm using something here that resonates with me. It doesn't work with every therapist. Um, but if if that please others is obvious, often what I'll say to clients is okay, who who do you imagine you actually are really doing it for? usually transpires is that you know they're trying it's because they want the other person to like them so there's that vicarious incentive and reason that you know if I please others then they will like me and sometimes with the please others there's a lot of squashing of emotion as well so I won't show that I'm upset I won't show that I'm annoyed that they've um that they've made me work when I didn't want to work that shift when I didn't want to you know all things like that so there's a real squashing and denying of emotions that comes with all of those, but you know, the please others for sure. Wow, that, that, that took me back to anger. <laughs> and it made me think when you've got a, a child or a baby or you know, someone really young, when they're angry, what happy, angry, sad, whatever, they just express it. But certain emotions like anger, you almost get told not to express those mm -hmm. because usually because you're little and you, sh you know you, you can't talk to an adult that way um, you can cry you can say happy things but often not the angry one so that's when I feel like you learn how to bottle up quite early on can't have a tantrum you can't kick off and then later on if if you don't know how to express it then or it becomes a way of again pleasing others so like you're angry you want to express that you're angry but you let others have the benefit of the doubt or not not the benefit of the doubt you prioritize how they feel and how they'll be affected and you choose to consume your anger or let your anger consume you rather than express it and potentially be rid of it and maybe even uh the relationship you have with that person be better yeah this is a big bit for um relationship therapy as well being able to say what's happening for you gonna, I, 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 sorry to interject i was actually gonna ask um when we go fast forward into you know the next little mini use of your your journey as well and you know or the kid this can also be a uh, generalization as well um I'm really intrigued to kind of understand the relationship that of when, let's say, for instance, you had your first relationship in terms of being validated all the way through, or, or, or better yet, even further back of where your validation came from in terms of your dad, all the way through to your first relationship, your marriage kind of thing as well. And what were the, you know, key drivers and what did you learn from it? So if I hear if I just check out what I heard you say, so you're wondering about whether or not I did get validated in, in my childhood, whether or not I did feel validated in my marriage and then where I found that validation. Yeah. That yeah. Um, so I would say that, um, no, there was, if we're talking about, if I talk about, I'll put some context to how I'm, what I believe validation is, you know, in a, in a relationship, and this is friendship, romantic relationship, you know, work relationship, whatever it might be. It's that safe space for somebody to say, um, and there's a nuance here as well in terms of owning it rather than blaming. So the moment we point the finger at somebody, the other person's blatantly going to get defensive. It's natural, isn't it? To, you want to defend yourself and be like, hang on a minute. But if um, part of this is teaching people to recognise their stuff as well, but a, a safe space for somebody to say, 
when that happened, I noticed I felt like this. And then for that other person to say, yeah, I get you. That makes sense. You know, rather than trying to say, well, you shouldn't feel like that. That's ridiculous that you do. Trying to defend themselves, trying to overcome it, trying to explain you know, all the ifs, buts and, and what. So the moment somebody doesn't hear the other person, the moment they try and defend and explain and, and talk over them or tell them they shouldn't, that's when your validation goes. You know, validation is about saying, yeah, I get it. And you're allowed to feel that way. That's okay. And, you know, in the moment we can do that for the other person, it, that is just transformational in terms of them being able to feel their feelings and express their emotions, you know. And when we don't validate, that again, they get into that, you know, they get stuck in terms of suppressing. So that's what I believe validation is. And no, none of, I don't believe I, I experienced that growing up. I, I don't think we knew how to as a family. I certainly, I don't think in my wider family, which is a big family, my mum's one of 12 kids. I, you know, I, I've got a couple of cousins who I'm really close to and we, we do that with each other. But other than that, they, I don't think my family actually know how. They, you know, it was never taught to them. Um, and then my ex and I got really, really stuck in this way because... And if you, shall I bring in about relationships here or shall I save that for a bit further? Please be our guest. Oh, my mind is already there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my relationship is a sort of reference point to what I would say about relationships as well then. It like probably lead us on to some of this and relationship patterns, like you were saying. Um, uh, so yeah, so we, if we think about the stages of a relationship, and this is a model of relationship therapy that I really, really believe in and that I'm trained in that I use with couples. Again, it may or may not fit for everybody, but it certainly resonated with me when I first found out about it. And I thought, wow, I wish I knew about this form of relationship therapy when I was struggling in my marriage. Um, and it's called, it's called Amargo. It's spelled I-M-A-G-O. Um, which is Latin for image, and I can tell, say more about it, but it's, um, originally um, a guy called Harville Hendricks came up with it. He's a therapist and he had struggled himself in a couple of relationships and thought, hang on a minute, you know, what's going on here? Um, and so he talks about the stages of a relationship. So when we meet, um, and I kind of put my own time frame to this, but you know, we can have that romantic stage that can last anything from three minutes to three years, you know, when you meet somebody like, wow, I fancy the pants of you. I want to spend all my time with you. And I think Harvard Hendricks uses this phrase like, you like pasta, I like pasta. You know, we like, you know, everything's the same. And you just think, oh, no, you're amazing. Um, and then that can wear off, <laughs> quite, you know, like quite quickly or after some time. But it's, it's a shock when it wears off. Um, but the bit I'll say is like, it's really, really ordinary. Like, it's so ordinary for it to wear off. And all of this is okay. Um, and um, so he talks about that romantic stage, which I think is really, really applicable. And then he talks about um, a power struggle stage. And so there's a rupture and that rupture can be of all different shapes and sizes. Something has happened to change the dynamic of the relationship. And when that rupture happens, oh, there's loads I can say to this actually, but when that rupture happens, you end up in that defense and attack mode. So the communication goes, that safety goes, the trust goes, whatever it might be. You are not hearing each other and you're not feeling and being heard. So when you're trying to have a chat and trying to communicate, ordinarily all you're doing is listening to your own internal process and dialogue. 
thinking, I can't believe you said that, like, you know, you're out of order, you, you said you'd do that and you didn't. So we're just busy listening to that. We're not even hearing the thing the other person's saying. And we're just loading our gun ready to fire back and they're doing the same and you, you just don't get anywhere. And so I spent quite a while in that phase with um with in my marriage and you know it was really it was really unenjoyable it was really really tough and I remember thinking I don't know how to get out of this I don't know how to solve it I had no way I had no tools I had no family members I could lean on who would help um and so we just got so so stuck and we got stuck in a familiar dynamic which I well I say familiar I think it's familiar for a lot of people I felt like the parent and he felt like the child and the more this happened the more I felt like I was bossing him around having to go at him you know and he the more he went into his child and just gave up those that sort of adult space so we got really 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 stuck and it was um it was really difficult and I just didn't know any way out of it at all so back to your question we we just actually didn't know how to validate each other we had no idea we took everything massively personally well I certainly did um but I imagined he did as well knowing what I know now um so there was zero validation I would say that I learned I learned to feel validated through through some amazing friends that I found over the last sort of six years or so in particular um, and then also through the relationship with my therapist um, and she's given me so much validation and permission to be who I am and that's that sense of being really really heard so that's all come from outside of my family unit I said a lot there didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you first and foremost no it's a it's a lot but it's it's really, I mean, it just, it, it had my mind a buzz. It made me think, even with relationships, <laughs> three minutes to three years, I love that. <laughs> this idea of a big part of it might be the more connected you feel with someone, I guess the more you want to share about yourself and what you want, what you like, all those sorts of things and what you really think as you get more comfortable and you, you feel safe around this person. And then it struck me that it's in that moment, as you get more comfortable and you express more, the other person or both of you, as you both express more, start to perhaps get uncomfortable with some of the things that are being expressed because like, oh, whoa, 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 now, now we're moving away from just the lovey-dovey stuff. Now, now you're getting into my space. Now you're, you're touching onto something that, ooh, for me, is, is not a, a good deal. And then I say that's where sometimes you get into the, a defensive mode or you want to just hey shift away because yeah. you think oh okay I've seen this before but perhaps at the court it's triggering something else right. well a circle yeah if I there's also some bits that are really important to this part as well so um so if we think about what we take into a relationship and for me I had no idea this was happening because this is all out of awareness we're not conscious of it until we become conscious of it. And that's part of the therapy that I do with, with all clients, but with couples is to bring it into the consciousness. Like, okay, this is what's playing out. This is what's happening. This is all okay as well. You know, everything, I, I believe we're made to think that you should have these perfect relationships and that you're, you're a failure if you haven't. And you know, people are so 
um, guarded about whether you know secretive about if they're if they're struggling in their relationship because it's embarrassing or you know all of these things and everyone else has got an amazing relationship but it's so so ordinary if you think about two completely separate human beings with completely different logic and experience of being as well completely different upbringings back to what we were saying earlier about what you become familiar with and what's your normal familiar and then they try and coexist like surely for me that's a guarantee that you, you know it's going to be challenges like it's, now I know that I'm like all oh, right I get it like we're two completely different people but we we go into this relationship thinking well you need to really understand me and he and you know that person's like you really need to understand me and we have whatever dynamic it is and so both partners end up pissed off because you know you're not understand me I'm I'm right you're wrong all this business is going on um but I'll go back to my early point but all of that is really ordinary as well there's no right or wrong but we take our childhood stuff into relationships this is the bit as well that really resonated with me so all of our unmet needs all of our wounds the stuff we didn't get fixed the stuff we were unable to fix when we were younger if you think about carrying a couple of suitcases and we go into those relationships without even knowing and we're scanning for somebody that fits this amargo um as we put it and that amargo is full of all the stuff that we our caregivers modeled to us how they relate to us and how they communicated with us how they didn't communicate with us the wounds that were left you know all that stuff so we look for somebody that's our familiar and that for me sounds really obvious as well but we don't know any of this um so we find something like oh oh okay you fit my familiar um you're amazing but our child out of awareness is going, all oh, right, now I can get my needs met. You know, all the stuff that didn't get sorted when I was younger, this person's going to meet all my needs for me. Amazing. So like to your point, Shai, we start loading all this expectation and needs and all of our old wounds get bared into the relationship without either partner knowing what's really going on. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what's all this? And, you know, and there's that dynamic of, well, I'm not getting my needs met they're not fulfilling everything I expected them to. They're not, you know, I put them on the pedal stool and I had all these hopes, but it's all of our unmet childhood stuff that really, we're, that's playing out. We're playing psychological games to get our needs met and they're not working and we just end up in a really difficult situation. So I thought I'd bring some context to that in terms of what we take into relationships as well. Hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating. Don't forget to follow, like, share and connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Subscribe to our latest episode and listen to any you missed and tune in next episode. Take care.